My name is Ryan Levesque, Inc. 500 CEO of the Ask Method Company, and I'm your host here at this week-long Web 3.0 Symposium, where we've been covering for the last week five ways across five days to prepare for the changes happening with this third era of the digital marketing landscape, the digital marketing world. Now, when most people think about Web 3.0, many people have visions of blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, the metaverse, virtual reality headsets, but the reality is that a lot of those technological advancements that have happened in sort of a more futuristic sense have trickled down and affected things in a real way that we are experiencing right now as digital marketers, as online business owners, as digital CEOs. And I'm talking about things like iOS 14, the Apple release of its browser and operating system last year, Operated, uh, uh, iOS 15, changes that are happening with privacy laws, changes that are happening with email, the way in which we drive traffic, Facebook, Google, all of these things are as a result of the changes that are happening due to everything happening in the world in this new third era of the internet, what many people are calling Web 3.0. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that has touched everything that we've covered so far. Now, if you've missed the previous sessions, on day one of this symposium, we covered the topic of traffic and how the traffic game, getting people to your websites and generating leads in this so-called cookie-less world, the game has changed. On day two, we talked about your product. And if you are a course creator, if you are a coach, if you are a consultant, if you are an e-commerce seller, if you are a local business or an affiliate marketer, how changes to the way in which you deliver your products could be incorporating using blockchain technology in a very specific way known as NFTs or non-fungible tokens. And then yesterday, we talked about how the email game has changed and we heard about the bomb that was dropped about email open rates and how you need to completely rethink the way in which you follow up with your prospects, with your leads, with your customers and your clients based on changes that have happened with iOS 15 and Apple's most recent release of its operating system. Now, across every single one of those sessions, there has been one thing that has touched all of those topics, and that is the topic of data and privacy. See, at the heart of it all, the reason for all of these changes all stems from a lack of trust that is in the world. We talked about on day one, the Edelman Trust Barometer and how trust online and in the world is at an all-time low right now. We talked about how blockchain technology first emerged from the last world financial crisis in 2008, when there was distrust with financial institutions, distrust with Wall Street, this centralized banking system leading to a decentralized form of finance. Well, this decentralized Centralization is not just limited to the world of blockchain technology and finance, but the distrust that many people face and feel at all levels of society. Distrust in government, sovereign distrust, distrust in the medical system, distrust in the financial system, distrust in big tech has led to a decentralization in many, many places that has ultimately created a sense of an enhanced desire for more privacy more sensitivity to the data that we share as consumers and the data that we have access to and we're able to use as ethical business owners and marketers, ultimately looking to better sell and better serve the markets that we are in. And in today's session, I have a super special guest here today who is joining us, who is an expert, truly a world expert on the topic of data and privacy. She is the CEO and founder of Red Clover Advisors, which 
which is a, 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 a data privacy consulting firm that specializes in working with small to medium-sized businesses to enhance their privacy strategy, to enhance their privacy policies, to put all the pieces in place so that they can advertise and market in all the jurisdictions that they want to advertise and market in the world. Uh, I'm talking about none other than the one and only Jody Hoffman Daniels. Now, in case you don't know Jody, Jody has a career that spans over 20 years where she's worked with massive big brands like Deloitte and Home Depot and Auto Trader and more. She brings a a tremendous amount of experience and she is someone who is truly on the front lines in fact just this past week she was front and center I believe in the second row of the most insider to insider privacy conference that I'm aware of at least um, in the world right now where she had the opportunity to hear from people like the head of Apple the head of Microsoft the head of Google and some others as well so please join me in welcoming our special guest of the day. Inside the chat, give a massive warm welcome for the one, the only, Ms. Jody Hoffman-Daniels. Jody, it is awesome to have you back. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, you and I had a chance to catch up a little bit earlier today, and you kind of gave me a little bit of a sneak peek on something that you were just part of like just days ago, which is this privacy conference where you were at the front lines and you were seeing things and hearing things and finding out about things before probably the vast majority of the general public. And you started to drop some bombs on me saying like, oh my goodness, like this is some big stuff that's happening. I just heard some huge insights. I'd love if maybe you could kind of just give us a, a taste. Was this all about what was happening in this conference? What did you who did you learn from? Who did you hear from? And what are you hearing on the ground before we get into everything we're going to cover here today? Sure. Well, it's kind of conference season, I think, for privacy and security people. So this was RSA for anyone out there who might know about it. It's truly the world's largest security now privacy conference. And the keynote session to kick it off on Tuesday was the head of privacy for Apple and LinkedIn and Google um, and moderated by honestly one of the foremost privacy ad tech attorneys out there, a good friend of mine. So it was a delight to truly be in the second row and there was no one in front of me. So I had a great view <laughs> to hear what they were talking about. And you know, the theme really resonates with what you talked about, which is this idea of trust. And really baking privacy into all of the products that they create. For example, anyone here who has an iPhone and you use the Health app, I used it a lot while I walked in San Francisco, like 15 miles, a lot of walking we did. And that app, for example, was created with privacy baked into it. Privacy is emanated at Apple all the way back to Steve Jobs. So the theme is that this tide is changing and how we're going to be using all this information. It's a data economy. This is the future and the future is really with individuals owning their data and making sure that companies are being incredibly thoughtful to how they're collecting, using and sharing that data. You know, so there's so much here and there's so much I'm excited to get into and talk about on this subject of data and privacy. And, and the reason for that is because, to be perfectly honest, for years, this to me felt like a chore to have to deal with as a business owner. Like it felt like, you know, like the things that we have to do, paying taxes, 
getting insurance, all of these things that's sort of like a necessary evil. But when Apple made front and center its entire business USP, its entire differentiating principle around the topic and subject of privacy, becoming the privacy company, a light bulb went off in my mind and said, I think the tide has changed in consumer sentiment where people really value privacy. And it kind of created this insight in my mind where I realized that this is no longer something that can be a chore. This can be an advantage. It can be something that you can use to promote your care for your customers and give you a competitive advantage inside the market in the same way that Apple is using it to get a competitive advantage. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we do that, Jody, can you just like set the stage? How did we get here? How did we get here that like the, one of the biggest tech companies in the world, trillion dollar company, has made its entire business model around the, the subject and idea of privacy? Like who would have ever thought that could be a thing that you could build a trillion dollar business around? What, what, what brought us to this moment in time right now? Well, we're, we've been collecting data for quite some time in a variety of different ways. And when the internet started and it dropped a cookie, it wasn't meant to be used necessarily the way it is today. Cookies were designed so that you wouldn't have to keep logging in every time to keep your item in your shopping cart. That would be really annoying. And so there were all these different kinds of cookies and then cookies were found, oh, well, this is kind of cool. I can do other things, I can measure sites, I can follow people, I can deliver ads. And then hundreds of companies started to figure out, well, I can piggyback on all of that. And, and I can send from one data point to another data point. And literally there can be hundreds of these cookies or trackers or pixels on a website. Well, when all of that data is collected, we had a variety of large companies say, well, well, great, I can advertise. And, and that's awesome for the person who's trying to get to the bagel eater in a particular jurisdiction at a particular age driving a particular car. However, for the person, what was happening was all of that wasn't transparent. It was all hiding and no one understood. There, were, there was no notice, there were no choices. And so if you fast forward, the EU, which has a very different approach to privacy, kind of said, you know what, we need some, we need some laws here. And over time, a variety of different laws had occurred, but they really modernized it with the four letters, people hopefully don't curse, uh, GDPR. <laughs> and it honestly was passed years ago, but it really became in the limelight almost uh, four years ago, kind of around this period of time. And that's really what started to set the stage for where we are today. So it's this distrust that exists in the marketplace at a global level across all levels of society and how it's manifested itself most, most notably with big tech and online advertising and online user behavior is that these big companies have had tremendous amounts of data on us, but it hasn't been transparent how that data is accessed, how that data is used. And there have been all these notable, you know, sort of elements happening in the news, right? You hear about data leaks, like, you know, XYZ company loses, you know, private data of 100 million users. And you think, oh gosh, am I in this data leak right now, right? Websites have popped up where you can go and you can type in your email address and see, you know, how 
has it been part of a data leak somewhere and what to do about it or your password and things like that. So um, there's there's so much that's happened along the way that's led us to this point. And you know, of course, it's it's sort of uh, it's it's evolving right now as we speak. Now GDPR was uh, a seminal event passed in Europe, and maybe you could just. Um, for anyone not familiar, or even someone familiar, maybe we can just set the stage on what is GDPR exactly? Who needs to pay attention to it? Is it based on if you are based in the EU, if your company is based on the EU, if the end user is based on the EU? And what does it actually mean without getting too technical? Maybe we can just kind of talk about that for a moment. Absolutely. And, and before I dive in, I want to add an example because I think it's all really relevant. Many people have some type of phone, iPhone or Android. And in both of those, you have a variety of different apps. And another part to this privacy conversation is also when data is collected, you didn't expect it. One of the most common, and honestly, it's, it's kind of an old example. And at this session, Apple was still bringing it up, which is the flashlight app. So if you get the app, you expect a flashlight. Well, you likely didn't expect the flashlight app to go and grab all all your contacts from your phone without your permission. And this is kind of where the other element of that distrust was happening, was companies were offering you one thing and then without you knowing, grabbing other information. And many of the app policies actually come from those kinds of situations. And that's why there's a rigorous process and anyone downloading an app from now on, you can actually go and, and read all about the privacy policies. And that's that's where they come from. So GDPR, it's the General Data Protection Regulation. It was founded in the EU. And the first thing to understand is the fundamental approach to privacy in the EU. It is person first, company second. What do I mean by that? I mean that you have to put the person first. You have to think about what would the individual think if I collect this data and use this data? And all of the rules are around the person first. If we contrast that with the United States, we're really pretty a capitalistic society here. And it, even the laws tend to be company first, person second. The law for GDPR applies to any business that is serving, selling, targeting an EU individual. So you could be a blog based in a lovely Caribbean island, selling an information product, and Jody has now moved to France. You are in scope for GDPR because I'm on your list. You want me to sell your or buy your amazing digital product. Jody lives in France. I can't do the accent, so just pretend. And now I'm in scope for GDPR. So what does that mean? It means you have to have a private privacy notice with a, a variety of different requirements. We're not going to go into all of them now, but you need a special privacy notice. Basically, tell me what you're doing. Tell me what you collect. Tell me how you use it. And then the other really big piece is there's these things called individual rights, choices. I can opt out. I can ask you to delete the information. I can ask you to tell me what you have. The idea is control. The individual is supposed to be able to get the control over what's happening. And yes, there's a bit of a balance that has to happen with the company. And the other kind of fundamental piece is that the company has to have a purpose to collect and use the data. 
So if I uh, sign into that blog and I have this amazing information, I give you a name and an email, you have to have a good reason to use my name and email. If I use the flashlight app as an example, there'd be no really good reason to take my contacts from the flashlight app because why do you need contacts to just make my phone shine brighter? Right. Probably not a really good reason. So those are some of the basics of GDPR. It's, it's enhanced notice, the ability for individuals to control and have these individual rights and businesses have to have very specific purposes to be able to use the data. Yeah, you know, um, what the way my perspective has changed is, you know, it felt like, so first and foremost, I think the takeaways from this, I just want to recap a few things. And then inside the chat, if you've got a nugget, make sure that you're posting your nugget inside the chat. I see a bunch of them flowing through right now. Um, the the thing, things that are, I think, mindful to take away are as follows. Number one, um, uh, it, the GDPR, we're going to talk about some of the other uh, privacy laws and regulations and other jurisdictions around the world in just a moment. Um, but GDPR is, uh, is based on where the user is. So even if you have a company based in the United States and you are serving or selling or targeting someone in the EU, as it relates to that particular user, you need to adhere to GDPR um, requirements. Now you might say, well, what if I don't? Like, what if you know? Is the is uh, you know the you know the EU? Are they going to come after me? Is some you know government body going to come after me? And and while that's possible, I would encourage you to think about things in a slightly different way. As this has become more and more normalized, citizens of the EU are starting to look at companies and are asking is this company taking my privacy seriously, right? Are they the flashlight app that's just trying to steal my contacts in this sort of weird way? I didn't even know about that, by the way, until you mentioned that. Um, <laughs> are they doing something weird like that? Or is this a company I can trust? Is this a company I can trust? Most successful companies of our generation by any measurement has decided that privacy is the thing that users want. And they've said, you know what? We're going to put this front and center. This is going to be front and center in our marketing. It's going to be front and center in our slogans. It's going to be front and center in all of our advertising. We're going to talk about this because this is what users want. So by going out of your way and actually being explicit in the way that you are expressing how you use people's data, that you take it seriously, that it's not just some box that you're checking, but it is truly something that you are taking seriously. And this is, by the way, something that, that we're uh, working on right now as we speak in our, our company to up-level everything that we do. We're actually working with Jody to do this. We're up-leveling everything that we do because I believe, number one, it's the right thing to do, first and foremost. And you can really never go wrong in life if you, you know, it's, it's kind of our bottom line in our company. When in doubt, do the right thing. That's basically our bottom line, right? So it is the right thing to do, number one. Uh, but number two, just from a commercial standpoint, not only does it help you do good in the world, but you can do well financially by putting it front and center, following in the footsteps of Apple, making it part of your marketing. So those are just a few takeaways that I wanted to just in, in, encourage you to be thinking about as you're thinking wait does this even apply to me like I'm a solo entrepreneur I've got a tiny little business I don't I'm not a corporation why should I even be worrying about uh, all this um, Jody anything you'd like to add uh, to anything that I've said there I would especially space especially for a small company is they want to work with big companies 
And big companies treat all the people they work with the same, which means they're going to expect you to do the right thing with their data. They're going to want to make sure that you have, uh, you know, you're going to protect the data. You're not going to misuse it, that you have strong privacy practices. Are you a business they can trust? You know, the way I always think about it is anytime we're buying anything, whether we're hiring someone to fix something in our house, a renovation, we're going to buy a new vacuum, we're looking to see, can we trust that this product is going to deliver what we want it to? Will the service be what we want it to? And the privacy piece is now a part of that. Can I trust this company with my data? Mm. And it's and it's like it's it's it starts to become one of these. I hate to use the word virtue virtue signal, but it truly is a signal of how legit is this company. Like for example, if you see a company that is mindful of its carbon footprint, if you see a company that just takes seriously, um, you know, equity and diversity in its workplace, if you see a company that makes a social contribution above and beyond just a a a a, a you know capitalists make money as much profit as possible. These are all sort of little signals that tell you this is a company that you can feel good about doing business with. And, 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 it, and it, if for, I don't know about you, but for me, these are things that align with my personal values. So I'm looking at, is this company, you know, if it's a physical uh, uh, goods company, you know, what sort of packaging are they using? Are they using responsible packaging or are they using packaging that is just completely destructive to the environment? That factors into my decision making as a consumer. I'm looking at things like how do they handle user privacy? The world is moving in this place. And here's the thing. You and I had this conversation a few weeks ago where we said people don't differentiate from big mega companies and tiny solo companies. They're holding everybody to the same standards. They're saying everybody needs to ad adhere to these new standards. And it's not just in the EU. It's not just with GDPR. Maybe you could talk a little bit about where other places in the world are heading. So I know Canada has a privacy policy uh, regulation that you can speak to, California. And I think when you and I spoke last, something like half of the states of the United States either have something that is passed, it's on the state Senate, the floor of the state Senate, it's up for discussion, there's proposals. Like, this is not something that's isolated to a tiny corner of the world. This is something that is happening, and it's happening faster than most people might realize. Maybe you could just talk a little bit about that. Absolutely, but first, remember like when you were a little kid and you wanted to really say something, you had to like raise your hand. <laughs> I have, we have ESP going, because as you started to talk about the sustainability piece, I, I was literally gonna say, but wait, there's that too. Privacy is absolutely becoming a major piece of what's called ESG, environmental social governance. And if you pick your favorite brand, you will start to see everything that you just talked about and privacy and security is right there. That conversation is increasing every day. Almost every week I'm having a conversation exactly like that. And you might even see it as like a trust page. Boards are starting to ask about it. Uh, the SEC, now I know we're talking small companies, but right, you always can kind of start to see the signals. The SEC is even looking at certain disclosures for companies. So this idea of what kind of company are you? I, I want to buy good, honest companies, fair labor, you know, good carbon footprint. So it's incredibly important and privacy is right there with it. So when we talk about privacy, GDPR is almost like the gold standard these days around the world. There are existing privacy laws elsewhere. So in Canada, 
They have an existing one. And to anyone who is in Canada, please forgive me. It's either Papida or Papita. It kind of depends on who you talk to. <laughs> uh, but it's essentially a framework. And if GDPR is the gold standard and the US is kind of on the bottom, Canada's a little bit in between. And Canada requires you, but though actually Canada does have one of the strongest email marketing laws in the world. It's always been an opt-in law for almost a decade now under a very strict law there called CASEL, Canadian Anti-Spam Legislation. So sort of think of the United States can spam on steroids. But in the United States, we have some really interesting things. So you're right, we had this session more than about 27 states that had considered privacy legislation of some variety. And where we landed is there's probably still about eight that haven't closed their sessions. Maybe something interesting will happen. California has a privacy law now. California actually is getting an upgrade because the voters in November 2020 voted on more privacy laws. And then we have one in Virginia, Colorado, Connecticut, and Utah all coming. And as we speak, just last week, the federal government introduced a bipartisan privacy law that most privacy professionals thought really we were years away from coming to. So I'm not exactly sure where that will land. The crystal ball is a little hard to predict, but what does all of that signal? It all signals there is more legislation coming. And as we started talking about that, I was listening to Google, Apple, LinkedIn at the privacy conference just six weeks before. It was the CEO of Apple and the CEO of Microsoft. And both of them are pressing for federal government legislation to put all the states evenly and to help globally. Because what's happening? People around the world have this expectation. And honestly, as a company, that's really hard to figure out, well, like, what do I do in California versus Colorado? Well, well, hold on, what about Jody in France? Oh, we got Jody in Canada. That's a lot of things for a company. So it actually behooves them to have one law. And I haven't even mentioned the law in China, South Africa, Turkey, Mexico. Basically, there's 150 privacy laws around the world. Now, I don't want anyone to go, oh my gosh, there's 150 privacy laws. How do I manage all of that? The reality is yes, there's a bunch of individual ones Many of them do apply to large organizations, but fundamentally, they have the same themes. Tell me what you're doing in a privacy notice. Have a purpose for using my data and give me some choices. And you know what happens with the choices? No one's going to execute the choices if they're happy and trust you. Right. And I think that's key. If you are the equivalent of the flashlight app and you are saying, hey, by the way, we asked for all of your uh, contacts on your phone, and uh, the reason for that is because we want to know the contacts in your phone, people are going to say, wait a second, like, like time out. Like, that, that's not cool. Like, that's not right. But if you're asking a question on a quiz or a survey that is the equivalent of, tell me a little bit about your business or yourself so I can ultimately serve you with the right content, the right offer, people are going to say, that's reasonable. And it uh, speaks to why this zero-party data strategy that we'll talk about in a, in, a, in a minute a little bit more detail of actually asking questions explicitly is in alignment with that level of transparency. 
You're not spying in the background, sneaking around trying to grab someone's contact list because of the, the flashlight app that they've downloaded. You're coming front and center and saying, look, we just we want to be upfront with you. If you tell us a little bit about yourself, within reason, you know, we're not asking for your social security number and anything unreasonable, but if you tell us a little bit about yourself, we can ultimately help you. If you don't tell us how you're going to use the backpack, how can we recommend the right backpack for you? So if you have a good reason to ask for this information, people are willing to do that at a, at a rate that's higher than ever because they're saying, thank you so much. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being transparent. That's how you establish trust in that first impression, that first interaction that you have with a customer. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, one of the things that I'd love to talk a little bit about though is, you know, you touched on it, uh, but I'd love for you to underscore. Do small businesses even need to worry about this? Like if I'm a solopreneur, a consultant, a one woman band, a one man band, it's just me, like I've got a tiny little business, do I even need to be worrying about this right now? What's your response to that? I get this question all the time. And I love this question because I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say yes for a long list of reasons. One of them, traditionally you don't decide, you know what, I don't like that law, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. You know, I just don't like that one, so I'm going to ignore it. We wanna hopefully be all good business stewards out in the universe. The other is right now, actually it's an opportunity because not everyone it's not table stakes yet right it's going to be table stakes and so one it's an opportunity to be ahead of your competition whether you're b2c or b2b if you don't do anything and you just let all the competition go and you'll catch up well now you're going to have an even greater place to try and catch up to they're all going to be ahead and now you're going to have to figure out what you do next and this is what customers want. They, they do it in a variety of ways. For example, if you have something on your website for me to buy, do you have the PayPal button or Amazon button or Apple Pay button or some other third-party pay button? Or do you have, and or do you have the credit card? Now think to yourself, when you go to buy something, do you go and directly enter the credit card if there's one of those other third-party wallet options there? Most people pick the third party wallet. Why? Because they don't trust the company with the information. Why give that company more information? You trust these other people. So just like we want them to trust our delivery, our product, our service, our values, our information, our advice, they also should trust us with the data. And we are in a data world. And just like you talked about, the more I trust the more data I'm going to give. And if you're small, you're trying to compete with bigger people. So how can you do that? Well, one of the ways is amazing customer service, really wonderful values, and to respect them as individuals. You know, it reminds me of like, for example, when you hire a contractor to do work in your home, let's say you have like a, a roofing damage, right? There's a, you know, a hailstorm and then your roof is damaged. And it doesn't matter if you are a uh, multi-state, you know, uh, nationwide roofing company, or if you are the local contractor in your town, one of the first questions that most people want to know is, are you insured? 
like, are you insured if you something goes wrong? Like, do you have insurance, right? Um, same thing if you hire an electrician to fix some electrical work in your home. One of the first questions that most people want to know is, are you a licensed electrician? Are you licensed, yes or no? Now, it wasn't always like that, but that's where the world is here today in these mature, established markets. And if you're not licensed, you can't compete. If you are not insured as a roofing contractor, you cannot compete with those bigger companies. And consumers don't care. They don't care if you are a big, you know, multi-state, international, multinational company, or you're just a one-man band in town. They want these point-of-entry benefits, these minimum requirements to do business with. And it's starting to move in this world where people are looking at things and they're saying, do I trust this company? And the way in which you treat privacy and have that on your website and your web presence um, is a signal to that. So to that end, what is like the first step? Like it feels like there's a, you know, a lot of things one could do. And I get it. If you're a big billion dollar company and you have a privacy department and a chief privacy officer, like that's one thing, but that's not us here. Like we're all small business owners. Like what is, what's the first thing that we should be doing? What's the most important thing in your mind for a small business owner, solo operator, solopreneur to be doing on their website? So the first thing on the website, well, there's kind of two, there might be the cookie notice, which is then kind of tied to the privacy notice. But to get either of those, my actual very first step would be to know your data. You have to know what data you're even collecting. Do you have an email list? Are you collecting name and email? Are you collecting name, email, and phone number? Do you have first name, last name? Where does it go? Does it go into MailChimp? Do you have MailChimp um, connected to something else, to some other part of a funnel? So people can literally just take out a sheet, you know, we, we've created like this, this really easy data inventory sheet and we have people just go through and say, what are all the assets that you have? What are all the tools? What are all the systems, all the places where your data is? And then you think about, well, okay, so what am I collecting in all those? Do I have, do, I, do they buy something? Maybe I have their address or maybe I just have their credit card information or, um, you know, a quiz. So what kind of questions did I have them answer? So we ask them to get the list of places where it's stored and the kind of information that you have. Mm. And then the natural question is, well, okay, what are you doing with it? I'm using it to send emails. I'm using it to send birthday reminders. Um, that's actually a really interesting one. If you're going to send a birthday reminder and lots of companies say, please tell me about your birthday and I have a fun coffee story about birthdays. But first I'll finish my thought. So if you want to send birthday reminders, do you need the age of the person or just the birthday. Because many people don't feel comfortable giving the age. And so a lot of times they'll ask, people will ask for the whole field. There's just a little privacy piece right there. And some people don't even want to share birthdays. So don't make it a required field. They feel very, very anxious. They don't want anyone talking about their birthdays. So the very, very, very important piece is know your data. And when you know your data, you can then begin to figure out, oh, what actually has to go into my privacy notice? And depending on where you are and your customers are in the world, will determine how long slash specific your privacy notice needs to be because there are some specific rules. The EU has some, California has some, uh, it just kind of depends. And then we have the whole cookie notice thing 
that also depends on the kind of cookies you have and the where you are in the universe because not all cookies are the same. You know, there's so many terms that we're discussing here. And for those of you who have been part of this symposium over the last couple of days, you probably will know that we've put together a glossary, what we're calling a cheat sheet, uh, of all these different terms from, from cookies to privacy policy to, um, you know, to, to iOS and iOS 14 and iOS 15 and all these kind of terms that we're throwing around. And if you'd like to get a copy of this uh, resource, which is right here, you can see it on my screen, um, you know, it is called the Web 3.0 Cheat Sheet for Digital Marketing. All these terms and, uh, uh, you know, glossary of things that we've been discussing and continue to discuss here. Uh, if you'd like to get access to this, you can do so by going to the link getweb3ready.com slash text. Um, and we will text this uh, to you. We'll send you a text message. Give us your email as well. Um, and if we have an issue, we'll be able to email you. But you can do this in any country. Um, and speaking of privacy, one of the things that you'll notice when you get that uh, text message is the way in which that text message is delivered. You'll see that the first message will say something to the equivalent of, you know, hey, it's Ryan here, and we're sending you this information. Text stop or unsubscribe if you want to, uh, 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 you know, no longer receive these messages. And then the goodies will start arriving, including that, that gloss. Um, we will also send you, if you uh, haven't already gotten it, the visual guide to digital marketing. But this is just yet another opportunity to see what it looks like when you are communicating with your audience, where you are asking for some information, in this case here, the minimum amount of information, email and phone number, so we can get you this asset and send it to you um, and do it in a way that is uh, as respectful as possible um, and at the same time um, makes sense uh, from a commercial standpoint uh, at the same time. So again, that link is getweb3ready.com forward slash text. If you'd like to get access to that e email, phone number, click that join thread and you get access to the Web 3.0 cheat sheet for digital marketing and that visual guide if you don't already have it yourself. Um, so Jody, I'd love to know, you talked a little bit about first steps, know your data. You talked about some of the things that are important that you want to make sure that you've got um, clarity on how you're, what data you have, giving people choice, individual choice. That's the key, is that people now have individual choice. They get to decide if they don't want you know, that to, to participate anymore, they've got a way to opt out. They've got a way to request what data you have. They've got a way to uh, request that that data gets deleted if it is um, uh, data that the uh, business actually does in fact have. Um, but what are one or two of the biggest mistakes that most small businesses make in this sort of world of data and privacy, especially with kind of everything happening in the world? Where it, can, it can feel overwhelming, right? It's like, oh my gosh, 150 privacy policies uh, around the, around the world like my head is spinning just thinking about it what's the biggest mistake that small business owners make they copy someone else's privacy notice they think what well they must know what they're doing over there so i'm just going to copy it or their business is similar so it must be fine to me i was talking to a company and they work with a variety of small um, e-commerce companies who are all based on shopify and they all wanted to look like certain big sites that are also based on Shopify. So they just thought they'd go and copy that privacy notice from the larger Shopify co uh, company and put it on theirs, except the larger company had all kinds of things in their notice, but the little companies weren't doing it all. And here's the thing about a privacy notice. What the privacy notice says is what you're held to. So the phrase, do what, uh, say what you do, do what you say. So if you say you do X, 
but actually you don't do X. You've now just stated you do something and that's a problem. And the flip is true. What if you, you do something in your business and it wasn't reflected in the other company's privacy policy? Now it's not in yours. So it's not accurate. So that would be mistake number one. Don't copy anyone else's privacy notice. Make sure you have your own privacy notice that's going to work for you. And then number two would be that all cookies are not created equal. Mm. What do I mean by that? Well, in a lot of places, there's a philosophy of I have to opt in to let the cookies work. That is the way it works in the EU. The EU says, oh, you want to drop some cookies? That sounds lovely. I'm going to tell you all about them here. You decide. In the United States, we have an opt out approach. So it's more like, hi, um, if you'd like to, we can tell you that we use some cookies. And if you don't like them, you can opt out here. And the requirement for a cookie banner today is actually not here in the United States. The requirement is to allow you to opt out. And so what I see a lot, a lot of people do is that they, they just, again, kind of, well, like I get 400 cookie banners all day. I guess I need a cookie banner and I guess it should say this and I guess I should set it up this way. And so not all cookie banners are created equal. So it's, it's fascinating to just hear about, you know, some of the parallels between privacy and marketing and that the best practice is just to not copy what your neighbor is doing, which I see so many people do when it comes to things like funnels and Facebook ads. They just say, hey, someone else is doing this. I'm just going to copy exactly what they're doing because if it's working for them, it must be working for me. But you need to make it work for your own business. Um, and that's what I'd like to talk about next is uh, where privacy and funnels intersect because the final session of this symposium tomorrow is one where I'm going to be talking about web 3.0 funnels and where funnels are headed where it kind of it all comes together where we talk about you know traffic and email and privacy and product kind of like funnels are at the center of it all because that's what connects all these pieces together you drive traffic to your funnel your funnel incorporates privacy and all of these things. Um, and of course, for those who are already registered for next week's quiz funnel workshop, we're going to be spending a week talking about a quiz funnel. The question I think that might be on some people's minds is with all of these data privacy laws that are in effect, can you in fact use a quiz funnel? Like is a quiz funnel privacy compliant? And um, if, 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 if so, maybe you could speak to what we need to be knowing. Yeah, well, the idea of a quiz funnel is asking someone a list of questions so that you can get more information about them and then you deliver them value. Mm. You can't force a quiz on someone. I come, I decide to take the quiz. I opt in to give you this information and guess what's gonna happen? The more I trust you, the more accurate I'm going to give you the answers. So depending on the kinds of questions that you have, are going to determine how honest my answers are going to be. As we move through the quiz funnel, at some point you're going to say, well, I need to deliver you these results. I wanna stay in touch with you. I have all kinds of great information to tell you. Can I have that information? So yes, you wanna provide that information. And what will you wanna provide in that experience? A privacy notice that says, hi, here's what I'm going to do with the information. We collected these, the answers that you provided in the quiz. 
We're going to use them to put it together in this great report. I'm going to use this information so that I can market better to you. And oh, if you're tired of all of this, you can opt out and here's all your choices, including if they've decided I whatever quiz it was, they don't wanna be a part of it anymore at the end, they could choose to have their information deleted or they could say, please tell me what you have on me. But again, the likelihood of someone doing any of that like you have to really do something wrong to get someone that mad to make those requests. I work with a lot of companies and the volume of requests tend to come from companies where they're, the people are mad or it's very you know high volume companies. But the majority, they don't. Why? Because they've built a relationship and the quiz is designed to get information to provide you something really valuable you provide the really valuable. Now, should you share the quiz results with your best friend over there? Probably not. <laughs> you should keep the quiz results for you. Use it for your business and everyone's happy. You know, so what really brings this full circle to me is that on day one of the symposium, we talked about three types of data. We talked about third-party data, first-party data, zero-party data. Third-party data being data that, you know, is really starting to go by the wayside as a viable strategy to rely on for running your business, whereby you have access to reams of data through platforms like Facebook and Google that uh, they have and choose to share with their advertisers. I mean, Facebook just made an announcement earlier this week that they are going to have to go to something that they're calling basic ads. Basic ads no longer has any form of sophisticated targeting at all. So Facebook is saying, like, we need to go back to sticks and stones. Like, we can't use this sophisticated uh, machine that we built. We're going back to the old way of doing things. So if you built your business on third-party data, you are in trouble. So that's out the window. Now, you and I were having a controversial conversation earlier today, and I think it's okay to bring it up around the topic of first-party data. Now, first-party data is information that you control. It's not owned by Facebook or Google. It's data, it's data that you have from information that you're gathering on people who are spending time on your website. And one of the tools that people do use to do that are tools like tracking and data tools like Google Analytics. Now, the problem with first-party data is that you are doing it behind the scenes. Even if you've got the best intentions, even if you're not the flashlight app trying to steal someone's contact list, you're doing it with the best of intentions. The fact remains that it's not data that a user is visiting your website and explicitly providing to you. And what we're finding now is that there are certain parts of the world, I believe France is one of the first, where even tools like Google Analytics are coming under the spotlight as something that you might not be able to use forever. And what happens in one place tends to happen in more than one place. So we're not there yet. I don't want to scare anyone and say like, okay, you know, turn off Google Analytics off, off your website. But if that's the direction that the world is heading in, there is truly one and only one form of data that you can reliably build a business on, and that is zero-party data. Zero-party data, again, to explain what that is, is when someone visits your website, they are explicitly and voluntarily sharing information about themselves in the form of a survey, in the form of a questionnaire, in the form of a quiz that allows you to better serve that individual. 
And I truly believe this is where the world is heading. And in many ways, this is where the world is right now today. So if there is ever a time where a quiz funnel is the central piece of strategy that every single business in the world should be using to acquire leads, acquire customers, and better sell and better serve their markets, it's right here, right now, today. So I don't know if you've got anything to say about that. I know you have a quiz funnel on your website, on the homepage of your website as a privacy expert yourself. So I think that in and of itself speaks volumes, but anything that you'd like to say on that front? I think, you know, as we, as we move into this next era, people were relying on this third party ecosystem. They've built the audience and I'll just go there and be able to build a business. We, you always were emphasizing build an email list. Uh, I still get all kinds of catalogs that I've never heard of before in my mailbox that people somehow still have my, my address. And in this new world, it's going to be a battle in the inbox with more and more people sending emails. So a quiz helps you identify who they are, what they're interested in, where their pain points are. It's incredibly valuable information to a business, but it's also really valuable for the end individual. I mean, I've taken a mattress quiz before, which is the best mattress. I've taken a juice quiz before, which juice is the best juice for me. Well, when there's 10 juices, how am I supposed to know? Right? This is very valuable. Thank you for pointing me in that direction. So the quiz is valuable to people. And the more that, again, you are able to emphasize to the individual, you know, you can trust me. Let's take a health quiz. You don't, maybe you're a doctor's office, maybe you're in the health arena, maybe you're in the wellness arena. You know, a lot of times health data can be pretty sensitive. They might not want to give it to you, or maybe financial data also a little bit sensitive. So the more that you're able to alleviate their concerns, think about what their objections might be and use language to say, you can trust me. Here's why, here's what we do with your data. Here's why the more you give me, the better you're going to have this end result, mm. then that's going to be really valuable. And I actually, my quiz is absolutely on my homepage and I use it when I go and speak. I do a lot of public speaking. I'm giving a keynote Monday. And both, all the attendees got my quiz hmm. so that they can have an idea where they are before we have a conversation around privacy. I think it comes down at the end of the day to that tenet that we talked about. It's, it's do the right thing. If when in doubt, do the right thing. And like anything, anything can be abused. Cookies can be used for good. Cookies can be abused. Privacy policy can be used for good. Privacy policy can be abused. A quiz can be used for good. A quiz can be abused, too. I mean, there are a lot of fake quizzes out there, right? We've seen them before, right? People who ask for information, and it's like, what are they doing with this information? And then before you know it, you're getting, like, your information was sold to all these different people, and you're like, whoa, what's going on right here? So you, the way I think about things is uh, you want to, uh, A, do the right thing. Uh, when and out, do the right thing. Um, but you want to do things in a way that is commercially viable, but it is respectful at the same time. And the way I've always thought about it in my mind is do well financially and do good in the world. And those things are not mutually exclusive from one another. You can do well financially and do good in the world at the same time. Now, Jody, we've got a few minutes. Um, there are a few questions that have come up inside the chat. If you've got a question, use hashtag question. We won't be able to get to all of them, but I'd love to just cover maybe a few questions in the brief time that we have you. Then we're going to talk about next steps and where to go from here. 
So one of the questions that I saw come up was a question around when you have data and a end user, a subscriber, a uh, email um, you know, follower, someone on your list, a customer, client, whomever, um, requests that you delete their data, right? When that happens, do you delete it entirely? Do you have to hang on to a record that proves that you deleted it in the event that the customer in the future accuses you of not doing it, not deleting it? How do you approach that? And, and I know you might say it depends on the business or jurisdiction and things like that, but just how do we think about that generally as small business owners if we ever encounter a situation like that? Yeah, so that initial comment where I said you need to know your data and you need to know all the systems that you have, even down to the Google Sheets that you shared in a drive with mm. a contractor or a VA. Mm. So if you had to delete the data, you would have to delete it from all the places that it is. And in terms of a record, generally what's accepted is there's almost like a tracking sheet and you'd be able to say, well, Jody made this request on June 9th and we processed it on June 15th. We deleted it and we sent this email out to her that says that we deleted it. And that's the record that you keep and that's it. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that is, uh, that's really, really helpful. That makes a lot of sense. Um, great. Can so, I add something to that? Please do. So yes. So one of the items that you might want to think about is when I, everyone here is using all kinds of software tools, just like we're talking about your business and thinking about how can you show transparency and trust to individuals, think about the tools you're using. You want to really make sure that the vendors you're using, all the software, one, can help you comply, and two, they're not using the data also for themselves. Can you right. trust them as a vendor? Right. And a lot of the tools will allow you to easily delete people or access their information. They're designed to help you manage these types of things. So something to just keep in mind as you're looking at, well, who's my email, who's my CRM, who's my invoicing, who's my cart, all those kinds of questions. Yeah, so we went through this exercise in part with some of your support for our software, Bucket.io, where we went through an exercise to determine what are the things that we need to make sure we empower our users with, our software users with, so that way if someone reaches out to them, to, to, to their business and says, hey, I would like for you to delete my, you know, my record as having someone, as someone who's taken the quiz, um, is that in fact possible? Um, and so we have functionality inside the software for that very reason. So if you are a Bucket customer and you're building your quiz funnel through the Bucket.io platform and someone reaches out to you and says, hey, can you please delete my record? You say, no problem. What email was that that you used? You log into the software, you delete it, and it is gone. So you can comply with that end user request. So um, you absolutely want to do that. Now, a lot of the kind of cut rate, second tier, cheapo solutions on the market, this is where they cut corners. They don't do any of this stuff. And this is where you as a user can get in a lot of trouble because it's not the software provider's fault if you're not complying with what your customer has requested as long as they've got the functionality. It's up to you. And if you're using a piece of software that doesn't have that functionality and you can't comply with that end user, well, you're putting yourself at risk. So it's important to use the right tools. Now, sometimes the right tools cost a little bit more money in the same way that, you know, uh, like anything in life, you know, uh, if you want to buy cheap food at the grocery store, well, chances are it might not be as healthy for you as some of the more expensive 
fresh organic produce that you know you might pay a little bit more for at the farmer's market but it was just picked off the vine yesterday or this morning it's going to be as fresh and healthful as possible you might pay a premium for it but are you really paying a premium or are you saving yourself money in the long term in the form of health bills and pain and sickness that you're going to be facing down the road well i think the same thing is true with the technology and tools and resources that you use in your business you get in the at the end of the day you get what you pay for and when you try to buy the cheap stuff and you try to cut corners it always ends up biting you and the you know what uh, down the road you work with the good stuff you work with the best then it's going to ultimately serve you it might cost you a little bit more in the short term but it's going to save you money in the long term as well so um, from a software perspective i echo everything jody that you just said you want to use the right tools that have the right functionality that allow you to comply with all of these things. So um, uh, just keep that in mind. And that's just a general statement, not just as it relates to quiz funnels. That's the business that I know because I'm deep in it, but it relates to anything that you might be using in terms of technology in your business as well. Um, all right, we are going to be getting uh, to the final few minutes here today in our time. Uh, I see a few great questions, a few great, sorry, a few great nuggets that are coming through right here. Um, awesome, great nuggets. Here's what we're going to do. As we bring things to a close, this is our uh, second to last session in this um, uh, symposium. And one of the things that we've been doing every single day is taking time to share our single biggest takeaway of the day. Remember, there are points for participation. The more you participate, the better chance you have to win. Um, we're going to be talking about some prizes that'll be uh, revealing at the end of this symposium. Um, but what you want to do now is take a moment to look at all your notes, reflect on everything that you've jotted down, all the insights, all the aha moments, and inside the chat that we have on our page, use the hashtag takeaway, hashtag takeaway, all caps, and let us know what's been your single biggest takeaway from today's session. So just to kind of recap some of what we've talked about, we've talked about GDPR, how it came about. We talked about the conditions in the world that have changed and why privacy and trust has become such a front and center topic, whereas even just a few short years ago, it really wasn't uh, on the uh, front page news, so to speak, as it is here today. We've talked about things like cookies. We've talked about things, companies like Apple and how they've made privacy a strategy, a strategic advantage, as opposed to a cost center in their business. We talked about some of the biggest mistakes that small businesses make as it relates to using a privacy policy and incorporating a privacy strategy in their business. We talked about some of the first steps that you should be taking. We talked about the three ways that you need to make sure you are complying with user choice when it comes to the data that you are acquiring. We talked about third, first, and zero-party data and how zero-party data is the future and a strategy built around that sets you up for success for many, many, many years to come. We talked about some of the changes that are likely coming around the corner in places like the United States and over 27 states that currently have privacy policy regulations that are either in discussion or in, in the uh, possible uh, uh, putting into law uh, at some point in the future right now as we speak. And that is just for starters. So take a moment to share your single biggest takeaway inside the chat thread. Then we're gonna talk about next steps, where we go from here and what is happening right around the corner. 
Uh, Jody, I don't know if you are able to see the screen. If you're not, I'll take a moment to read some of these takeaways for you, uh, just so you can see what uh, uh, many folks are saying. John here says, um, oh gosh, this is going fast and furious right now. Um, oh, can I, can't, I can't even keep up. All right, I'm going to have to keep going. Takeaway, so uh, Marco says, not all cookies are equal. Liv says, takeaway, transparency and trust are good business practices. Takeaway, that there's truly a want for this. Uh, Peter says, takeaway, respect your customer's privacy, lean into it. Chris, takeaway, flashlights illuminate way more than I thought. Yeah, that was a big surprise to me as well. Uh, Dave says, uh, how critical privacy is as a strategy. These are going so fast, I can barely even keep up. Patricia says, takeaway, get ahead of the competition now and implement competitive privacy policy. Felipe says, be transparent, be uh, transparent through disclosing what data you actually collect. Chrissy, takeaway, know your data. Nancy, takeaway, small communities also have to adhere to GDPR. Yeah, we all are facing this. Anna says, takeaway, privacy and trust is front and center in building a strong customer relationship. Esther, takeaway, better be first to implement privacy and not wait. Do not copy others. Yes, don't copy somebody else's privacy policy. Just slap your name on it. Um, takeaway, going back to privacy and trust to pre-internet marketing. Uh, takeaway, uh, Facebook is back to basic ads. Yeah, that's a big one, guys. Like that's that's a pretty big announcement. That's like saying, all right, we're not using computers anymore. We're going to be using an abacus uh, because that is the only reliable way that we can uh, do our math. Uh, Nugget, use a service. Uh, blah blah blah. Takeaway, don't wait for the regulations where they're definitely coming. Do it now um, so you can be a market leader. Uh, be upfront with privacy policy. So, so many great takeaways here. They're still coming. I cannot keep up with all of them. Um, uh, any final words, Jody, before we talk about next steps, what's happening in tomorrow's final session, and a next assignment uh, to go from here? Anything, any last words that you'd like to share? Well, you summarized it so well, and I, I love all of those takeaways. I'm grateful that people realize the huge opportunity that, that we have right now. You know, as every single person who is making a choice to do business with you, or you're trying to convince them you have a wonderful offering, let me help you with your quiz, let me share some amazing knowledge with you. The element of trust, we're trying to get them to trust us as a business, that we're going to answer their concerns. We're going to be able to solve their problem. And we would we don't want to have the data part be a blocker. We, we don't want that. We want it to be an enabler. And uh, of course, a no brainer. I would absolutely trust who you are because you're a good person. You seem like you know what you're talking about. You can solve this piece. And the privacy laws are here because the rules of how we started in kindergarten, you know, when someone didn't do what they're supposed to, then there's a rule that says you have to sit on the chair until you raise your hand to go and do something. That's kind of where we are with regulations. Regulations are here because someone didn't do what they were supposed to do. The regulations are like the table stakes. They're the baseline. Privacy notices are the table stakes, the ability to do what we actually say in those things. That's the table stakes. But we want to go above and beyond. Why can you trust me with that health information? Why can you trust me with your biggest pressing business problem? Why? Because customers want to trust us. Mm -hmm. Customers want to trust that we can solve the problem. Customers want to trust us. And that is the power of privacy. You know, Trey Shenman likes to say that uh, trust is the future currency, and if uh, the currency is trust, then businesses are the banks. And I think the public has put 
its hope in small businesses like us, one of the last few places I think of the world where there is trust. There's a lot of distrust with big institutions, with big government, with big pharma, but we as small business owners, we have this opportunity to, to really shine in this new Web 3.0 era. You know, from everything, from the way we get our food, I mean, even in our family, looking at getting food more locally through smaller farmers, through smaller organizations, to, to doing business with more small companies, because I think there's something there. And I think what that means for all of us, I'm incredibly excited and optimistic and hopeful about that. As small business owners, I feel like it's our time to shine. It's our time to, to, to engender that trust with our respective markets. And when you follow these practices that you've, uh, Jody, just so eloquently outlined here today, and you follow everything that we're talking about in this Web 3.0 symposium, and using trust and building trust, I think it sets all of us up really, really well for the future. So inside the chat, can you guys please join me in giving Jody just a massive virtual appreciation for taking time out of being uh, out of her busy schedule to be here today i mean she's a mom she's got kiddos she's got a spouse who's traveling right now she's got a lot going on and she took time out of her busy schedule to be here let's please give it up for jody huge virtual round of applause and, and huge appreciation jody from me to you i just want to say thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule and being here today it's my pleasure thank you all for joining really awesome. appreciate it awesome awesome all right, so you might be wondering, well, where do you go from here? Like, what's, how, what, do I, what do I do next? Well, if you haven't done so already, the number one thing that you want to do is make sure that you are registered for next week's Quiz Funnel Workshop. And here's the reason why. Once a year, that's it, once a year, we do a week-long workshop on how to build a Quiz Funnel step-by-step. -step. Now, it's $100 to attend. It's a $100 ticket price, but because you're here, and you're at this session, I wanna give you an opportunity to join us next week for free. And you can do so by going to the link quizfunnel.com forward slash privacy. Now, when you get to that page, and you can do this right now in real time with me, go ahead, follow along, do it in real time. Let's go to the page together, quizfunnel.com forward slash privacy. When you do so, if you bear with me one second, it's gonna take you to a screen that looks like this. And on this page, you're gonna see that we are very transparently asking a piece of information about you, which is which of the following best describes what you're selling right now. now. Now, just to put it all out there and be as transparent as possible, the reason why we ask for this information is based on which of these options you select. We will customize elements of the workshop next week for you. We will customize the examples that we share with you, the case studies that we put in front of you, all based on the type of business that you're in. So you want to answer this question accurately so you can get as relevant information as possible. So you'll answer this question, sign up with your email, and then the important part is you want to use the coupon code PRIVACY. You want to use the coupon code PRIVACY, and the way you do this, some people had problems with this earlier in the workshop, click this link that says apply coupon. It's going to take this $100 price down to zero. You have to put in a real email address. Um, because uh, uh, we validate the email to make sure it's a, it's a real email address and that's how you're going to get your ticket sent to you. So we want to make sure that it's truly a real email address. Um, so we'll send your ticket to the workshop to this email address and all the relevant information about the workshop. Um, you can go ahead and do this today using that coupon code and it is 100% free. Um, it's happening next week. We're going to be talking about 
the absolute single most effective strategy for generating leads and customers in a privacy compliant way using the power of a quiz funnel. We're going to be talking about how to come up with your quiz topic, how to come up with your quiz questions, what to sell on the back of your quiz, how to make your quiz something that's compelling to people where they are trusting you with your information and they're excited about sharing that information with you. We're going to go through dozens of different examples and templates in all sorts of different markets. Again, it only happens once a year and the link is quizfunnel.com forward slash privacy. Make sure that you are in. If you're already registered inside the chat, let me know that you have registered. Type in the word registered if you are already in. If you're not already in, you want to get yourself in there. That's the first thing. Second thing that I want to let you know is that tomorrow, if you bear with me one second, tomorrow you can see right here, we've got our final session, day five of this Web 3.0 Symposium. And speaking of funnels, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about why standard marketing funnels will not work in the Web 3.0 era and what to use instead. For all of the reasons that we've been talking about, the reasons ranging from zero party data, being able to more accurately follow up with people, putting a product in place that's the right product to the right people at the right time, a traffic strategy that allows you to generate leads in this cookie-less world, this is where everything all comes together and we're going to be flipping the script. Tomorrow, I will be the guest speaker, and we've got a surprise guest who will be interviewing me. So it's going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And by the way, just one last thing I want to mention as it relates to that um, sign up that I just put in front of you here. When you sign up, one of the big benefits is you get access to, and the link is quizfunnel.com privacy, you get access to a special private Facebook group. You can see here over 4,000 people have registered for the workshop and are inside this uh, private Facebook group right now. One of the big benefits is we got a huge conversation that's taking place right now. And I'm going to be doing a special bonus session on Saturday this week where you have the opportunity to get your questions answered on anything that we've covered on anything ranging from traffic to product to email, follow-up, data privacy, and funnels. And you have an opportunity when you register to hop on inside the group and post your question, whatever it may be. Look for this big orange box that says Got Questions, post them below, and I'll answer them on Saturday's Q&A call. Remember, this symposium ends at the end of this week. So after that Q&A session, the uh, symposium is going to end. So you've got just a few days to catch up on anything that you've missed before this all gets taken down. And we shift 100% of our attention on the Quiz Funnel Workshop. One last big benefit is that if you haven't already done so, every day we are posting notes to each of the sessions, so handwritten notes. You can get access to those inside the group as well. So if you missed the notes from the traffic day, from the, uh, um, the product day, from the email day, from today's session, if you want to catch those notes, you can get them inside the workshop group as well. All right. I think we've covered all the ground that we need to cover here today. Uh, once again, make sure that you're registered for the Quiz Funnel Workshop. That is thing number one that you want to make sure that you do. Um, when you get inside that workshop Facebook group, get access to the notes and make sure you post your questions for what we're going to be covering on our final bonus Q&A session of this symposium. And make sure that you are back here same time, same place tomorrow, because tomorrow we're going to be bringing everything all together. And we're going to be talking about what type of funnel you want to have in your business to take advantage of everything we've been covering in this symposium and set yourself up for success in this next third era of the internet web 
3.0. With that being said, we're going to wrap things up here today. I want to wish you a great rest of your day, a great rest of your evening. Take care, talk soon, and I'll see you same time, same place tomorrow, right back here where we are today. Goodbye.